Hitting revenue targets is hard and requires constant hustle. Last quarter's success is already forgotten. Learn the mindset and tactics of today's most successful revenue producers in B2B marketing and sales. We call this the revenue hustle. I'm your host, Tom Hessen, navigating you on this journey. Today's show is sponsored by Nine Lenses, an interactive assessment platform that enables you to add instant value to your buyers and allows your sales team to tailor business conversations focused on the pain points each and every time. Check them out at NineLenses.com. Hi, this is Tom Hessen, the host of the Revenue Hustle podcast. And today we're back with a new episode with Chris Longo. He is the Director of Customer Success at Vericent with a focus on their largest enterprise account. So Chris, welcome to the Revenue Hustle. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, and I know customer success is just, to me, a growing um, both practice, but also in importance. And I see you've got a, you know, a good number of years under your belt in, in customer success. So how about you introduce yourself formally, Chris? Tell us a little bit about what you're doing at Verison. Sure. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, so uh, as you mentioned, I'm the director of customer success for North America at Verisent. Uh I've been in customer success for six years and I've been leading a team of CSMs for three and a half years now. Uh, in addition to that, I actually have three years of B2B sales experience, and I have six years of B2C sales experience as well. Um, so here at Verisent, I'm responsible for a team of six CSMs that are spread across uh, North America, uh, and we manage a portfolio of about 120 customers with revenue in the tens of millions. Uh, so our, our charter is really to be responsible for all renewals, uh, any growth opportunities, and retention with our existing customers. Fantastic. Well, I know um, we're going to get into that in a lot more detail, but you know how we do this on the revenue hustle. We come out with revenue rules. And so, Chris, hit us with your first revenue rule. Yeah, of course. So my first revenue rule is that for customer success managers, background matters way more than experience does. So you do not have to have experience as a customer success manager or even as a salesperson or a BDR to get a job as a CSM, in my opinion. And I've actually hired several people who had zero experience in any of those roles. Well, there's there's thousands of people that are cheering that response that have never had any experience looking to get into the CES uh, field. Um, so how did you come up with that? I mean, so how did you kind of arrive at, you know, I'm willing to hire people that don't look like a CSM on paper? Yeah, so so I can't take full credit for it. Um, at my uh, the company where I first broke into CS, I had some great leaders who were kind of forward thinking in terms of what CS could mean for an organization, and they sort of instilled those uh, those beliefs in me really early on. Uh, but I I feel like I've developed that over the time uh, as a leader. Um, and there's really a few key areas that uh, I strongly consider when I'm looking to hire somebody uh, with respect to that background and the experience that does not have anything to do with being a customer success manager or have spent, having spent time in the role. Um, so I'd be happy to go into those in, in detail. Um, yeah, yeah. Ready for that. So I got two questions. So yeah, what, what are you looking for and what do you think, and maybe it kind of goes hand in hand, is what makes a good customer success rep? And I guess that kind of ties into those are the attributes you're looking for or specific experiences that, you know, connect to that success point. Yeah, well, th there's certainly a lot of different things that go into being a good CSM. 
right? But in terms of, you know, the question here about why, what does it take? What am I looking for, for somebody who does not have CS experience to kind of break into the role? Uh, what I would say is the first one is, did they demonstrate a high capacity to learn and achieve in college uh, with some sort of high uh, GPA as a result hmm. of their efforts in school, right? So when I say that, you know, I think about the CSM, you have to learn when you're in this role. Uh, you're gonna have to learn about your product. You're gonna have to learn about the processes that your company has. You're gonna have to learn from your leader uh, in CS or your leader in the sales organization that you're working with. And most importantly, you're gonna have to learn from your customers, right? So being capable of learning, I think is one of the most important skills that a CSM would need to master. Well, that's, you know, I was not expecting that. So that is, um, that's always great. And because you hear a lot about what role does college play in today's hiring? And, you know, you see a lot of like, you could just skip college altogether, or we'll hire you with no college experience. And I know you're not saying that, but you're using the college, you know, let's call it GPA, maybe, maybe goes beyond that, but as an indicator of their ability and desire to learn. And I think that's, that's fascinating. How did you kind of dial in on that kind of GPA, college GPA as that ability to learn indicator? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the barometers, right? It's not the only one for sure, sure but it's it's when you're looking at a, a bunch of resumes, right? That's one thing that is pretty clear. It jumps off the page and it allows you to say, this person is somebody that I should have a conversation with. Then you can kind of peel the layers back to understand more about uh, what did they study? What what type of workload did they, did they have? And, and then, you know, we'll talk about some of the other things that factor into that decision. But I think that's one of the criteria that I like to look for. Did this person demonstrate that they can learn, they enjoy learning, and that they're dedicated to uh, to delivering, you know, to themselves an outcome, right? So, so we're. I, I like to think of um, everything we do should be in pursuit of a goal or an outcome. And when you're in in your academic um, life, whether it's in, in in high school or in college or beyond that, right? The goal is is hopefully to to get good grades, right? To learn. Uh, and by producing a result of a high GPA, you're demonstrating that to the people that you could potentially be working for in the future. Yeah, no, that's great. And I, I'm guessing you've seen success there then, like just like that, that's a at least first leading indicator of their ability to learn. And so you keep going yeah. back to that well, so to speak, as part of your highlight. Yeah. Yeah, and again, it's not the only thing, but it's usually one of those those first indicators that say, okay, this is this person has met one of my qualifications. Let's keep reading, right? Uh, yeah. Or let's dig deeper. And so I'll kind of expand and go into the next area, if that's okay. Uh, that yeah. kind of coincides with that. And it's did they participate in an activity, a team, or an organization in addition to those academic accomplishments, right? So I think as in the business world and specifically, I think in customer success, you have to be competitive, right? You have to be able to self-motivate. You have to be energetic. You have to be passionate, right? You have to understand what it means to be part of something bigger than just you, right? Um, you have to understand what commitment to excellence is and what it takes to achieve that. Things don't just get handed to you. You have to work for them. You have to apply yourself. Um, and then you have to have the, the ability to master time management and prioritize the most important things to, to you, to your customers, to your company, right? Uh, you have to be able to work well with others. And when you're a part of something like band, like theater, a sports team, some sort of service organization through your school or outside of your school, performing arts like ballet, right? Things of that nature, you learn all those skills. 
and and I believe that they're they trans they transcend transcend into business and they really help people excel in their role as a CSM. And I actually have a good example of that um, if I could elaborate a little bit more. Yeah, so that's great. Yeah, so 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 in my previous role at my previous company, I actually hired uh, somebody who had zero experience as a customer success manager, never did it. Right. So I'll start with that. And I have another example of that after afterwards, too, for a separate topic. Uh, but this, this person happened to be an all American water polo player. And she was also a team captain. Right. She had zero experience as a CSM, like I said, uh, but she was extremely competitive. Right. And you have to be to get to that level uh, of sport. Right. Um, she understood what hard work was, what determination was. She understood how to work well with other people. She understood how to ask questions right? And understand what other people needed and then help them get what they needed, right? So that everyone around her was getting better too. Um, and, and when she came to our company after I hired her, ultimately, uh, she made an immediate impact, right? She was uh, improving our customer retention rate in that market. She uh, was uncovering numerous revenue growth opportunities that were uncovered for years previously. Um, mm. And she also happened to be an accomplished learner. Right. She graduated with a near 4.0 GPA. So uh, maybe I maybe I got a little lucky, but I found a stellar candidate uh, and she ended up being a stellar CSM. Uh, and then the last thing I'll lead you with about this person who, again, had zero experience as a CSM, zero experience with our industry and with our company. Uh, we have we had an annual kickoff event uh, with everybody from the sales and CS organization. Uh, and during that event, we hosted a role playing competition, which was judged by our executives, our CEO, our CFO. Uh, our CMO and our CRO. Uh, and this person came in and won the whole thing. She beat industry veterans who'd been in the space for 25 years, people who'd been with the company for five wow. or seven years, right? And she she was with our company for six months. So all wow. of those, all those skills, all those characteristics, all of those traits, I think really allowed her to come in, uh, learn, apply herself, be dedicated, disciplined, and ultimately deliver great results for us. Well, yeah, and and I, I mean, that's a fantastic story, number one, and a uh, great hire, number two. You know, when you think about the CSM role, and this is, I was just talking to a, a, an executive yesterday about how different that role can be from company to company. Yeah, now, obviously, it's it's usually a SaaS-based, right, uh, role. Um, obviously, renewals is oftentimes kind of one major attribute of the job. But kind of beyond that, right, like how much value they provide, um, are they training, are they onboarding, are they uh, just kind of a conduit to bring in the, the specialized resources to do the real work, so to speak, or the technical stuff, um, like how much of the, the value they, they carry. I mean, how much variance have you seen in that role or have you seen it kind of more tightly defined in the, in the companies you've worked for? Um, I, I see a lot of variance in the role from company to company, from industry to industry, uh, whether it's, it's, it's SaaS, um, even within SaaS, depending on what kind of vertical you're supporting within SaaS, it can be very different. Um, what market you're selling into, whether it's enterprise SMB or, mm -hmm. or something beyond that, um, it always is different, right? And I think that's one of the big challenges for CS in general is that it, it, it can change it's and it also it, it, or it can be different and then it can also change uh, right. very rapidly within an organization and i think it's because of some of the characteristics that i've described about the individuals who end up in cs they're usually pretty adaptable right and they're willing to take on additional challenges and and 
figure out a way to overcome that and then deliver the result that the business needs. Um, and I think that that also is, is kind of a negative at times, right? Because CS is always so willing to say, um, sure, that's a great idea. We'll take it on. We'll do it. And then there can be too much, right? Mm-hmm. That gets put onto one team's plate and that creates um, kind of, it gets, you get stretched too thin and then your ability to deliver where, where I think it really matters on the revenue side of the house is diminished, right? So I think that for, for other CS leaders that may be listening to this, um, keeping your team focused on, on a, um, on a single area and not taking on too much, right? So for, for example, at Verisent, we don't do onboarding in CS. That's done by an entirely different team, right? And so we're focused on once they've been implemented, once they're live, that's when we start really engaging with the customer. And sure, we're involved earlier on just to make sure right. everything's going the way it should be, but we're not driving that, we're not leading that, we're not um, you know, spending a lot of time and energy there. What we're focused on is what challenge did the customer have? Why did they choose us, right? And making sure they're starting to get value as quickly as possible so that we can earn the right to get more of their business in the future. And that might be six months from now, that might be three, four years from now, right? But every single day we're trying to deliver value so that we can ultimately get to that place where we are um, growing revenue with that customer. And and, and you'll, you can only do that if you're helping them solve more more of their business problems. Right, and, and you and I were talking about this just, um you know, a couple of days back is the concept of, you know, what makes CS great is that they're very, you know, customer oriented, right? Just that customer service mindset, which sometimes doesn't always translate kind of to like the sales side of it, right? Because some people like hate that word. Like they don't, they're not comfortable talking about money or it feels slimy if I'm trying to pitch something to them, right? I'm just here to help them, right? Um, it's like the good heart versus the bad, evil salesperson, you know, um, that sometimes you see in that role. And then there's that whole third layer is just like the business acumen and expertise that uh, oftentimes with I find CSMs more kind of junior in their career, right? Um, just from a scalability and cost and just to make the whole model work that they're not comfortable having kind of the executive conversation. So usually there's like that peer that they have on the, the customer side who again, you know, they're talking features and functions and licenses and training and all sorts of kind of transactional stuff. But then they have to like, what would they say to their their point of contact is boss or boss, right? Like it's a whole different level of conversation. So being able to have that customer service mindset, that kind of money mindset as well, but then the expertise and acumen to speak to their, you know, the senior executives is a very hard thing, I think, for a CSM to master. So I'm kind of curious your perspective on those three and, and you know, where do you find yourself kind of having to coach the most? Because I'm sure they're not all equally fitting into that that box I just painted. Yeah. So, so um, just to kind of rephrase, I think, I think what I heard you say is, you know, um, CSMs work really well tactically, right. With their day-to-day people, um, helping them adopt features, talking about why they're beneficial, um, you know, maybe, maybe getting to adopt something new, but when it goes up a level to the more strategic conversations, it's sometimes more challenging. And when it comes to, you know, big deal values, for example, they may be uncomfortable uh, having those types of conversations. And and truthfully, I would agree with you in most cases, especially for CSMs that are newer to the role or earlier on in their career. So, you know, from my perspective, that is the area where I do the most coaching is around being more strategic with our customers, getting to those higher level people within an organization, whether it's the CIO or the CTO or the CRO in our case, many, uh, many times to talk about 
you know, what, what are the business goals that they're trying to accomplish? And hopefully they know those things already and can be articulating how, you know, our solution, our service, our platform or product is helping them get there or can be if they thought a little differently about doing something. So um, th there's a book I, I, I like, it's called The Challenger Sale, uh, but you have to be able to challenge your customers sometimes, right. right? And be able to say, hey, look, the way you're doing it today is good, but here's why I think it could be better. And you have to do that from a strategic perspective. It's got to be really concise, really clean, and it's got to be personalized to that individual and to their business, right? In order for it to make sense. So, so yes, I think that is a challenge that, that we face. Um, but again, I think if you, if you hire right, if you have people that are coachable and good learners, uh, you can get there pretty quickly um, and coach them on that. On that. Yes, because I'm guessing when you hire, I mean, you want to be able to see their ability to, to do it all, so to speak. But like you want to master, you know, the foundation first, right, in terms of like the product, the customer, the value prop, um, how they could support them, you know, all that kind of stuff just to kind of that the step one and then grow into that more strategic business partner, right, or, or trusted advisor with the customer. Is that how you think yeah. about that? It, it is. It is, especially if, if we're hiring and the expectation is that this person is newer to the role, right? More junior in their career. Um, that that the expectation is you have good foundations. You're going to be able to do the day to day really well, right? And we're going to coach you on how to to deliver more impact over time, right? To, to not only our business but to our customers too. Um, and and you know from a timeline perspective, I think it varies, right? It, it varies by by what solution you sell. It varies by what industry you're in. Uh, but from, from my experience, that kind of aha moment, the light bulb, when things start to really click for people is, is typically between, I would say, probably six months and nine months is where people start to really start to sh show me that they've learned, they're starting to develop those skills and then actually put those skills into action with, with results that they're getting from working with their customers. So um, it, it happens quickly if you are dedicated to making that happen with your team. And I think that's a key too. Well, I'll have to ask you about your transition into customer success because coming from sales, right? Um, again, there's an attribute to the CS job that is that is sales oriented. So it's not like you're making some wild transition, but how did you go or why did you go from sales into customer success? That's a good question. So. Um, I, I knew pretty early on that I had a passion for helping people solve problems. And, you know, in my early days, I was, I was working B2C at Adidas. Uh, I was a sales associate, right? My job was to sell shoes, clothing, accessories, to sell it. Um, and so in addition to that, my goal was also to make sure people had an exceptional experience mm -hmm. while they were shopping and really solve their problems when they, when they came into the store relative to what we had to offer. Uh, and so I, I really was focused on asking lots of questions, right? And so when somebody walked through the door, it was always, what brings you into our store today, right? And then if we were headed to the shoe section, I followed up with, well, what are you going to be doing in these shoes that you're looking for, right? Are you running? Are you walking? Is it for style, right? And that would lead us to the next section. And, you know, we'd, we'd then ask if, if you have any issues with your feet, your knees, your back, do you need cushioning? Do you need a, little, a type of a special kind of support for your feet? Uh, and it ultimately would lead to a few recommendations at different price points. And then the customer, the, the customer would make the decision from there. 
and people really appreciated that. And I, I felt the appreciation mm -hmm. that they, you know, when, when they would grab a pair of shoes and say, thank you so much for your help. You know, this is exactly what I was looking for. That made me feel really good and, and fulfilled in what I was doing. Um, and yes, that was selling, but it was also CS before I even really knew what CS was. Um, and so I never, back when I was kind of getting more into the corporate world, I, I hadn't really heard of CS. Uh, and this was in 2000, I think 13, 2014. Um, and, and as soon as I started investigating and understanding what their responsibility was and working with existing customers, helping them solve problems, but still growing and contributing to revenue, right? The bottom line for a company. Um, I was, I was all over the opportunity and I was really excited about it. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And I would say that's also a great picture of just consultative selling because that's really should be the, the selling experience. It's not like you rolled up with a, a, you know, a wagon of shoes and, and, and started pitching them. Like that's, that's, that's the consumer version of like what a lot of people do today. Just, you know, pull up their PowerPoint deck and pitch. It's like you would have wheeled out their shoes and, well, we've got all these styles and, and, you know, athletic and, you know, which one do you want? Right. And um, so you painted a very different picture. And I think, uh, um, you know, you see that as CS, I see that as great as sales experience, right. Which is why you, you you're in both roles. So, mm -hmm. um, so you just then transitioned from sales into CS as, as you just kind of saw that as a more, probably more intimate long-term relationship with the customer. I think that, that just that joy factor too, that you were talking about is that, was that part of it? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, I enjoy having long standing, long term relationships with people. And, and that's not to say that it doesn't happen in sales because it does, certainly. Um, but from a CS perspective, you're really ingrained into, you know, what they're doing as a business, how they're using your product. And you're with them every step of the way once yeah. they've become a yeah. customer. And, and that that's really, I think, fulfilling to be a part of, um, you know, and, and I, I love it. So, yeah, uh, it's spot on. Awesome. No, I think that's a great, that's a great revenue rule. I mean, I think it should challenge people to look outside the box, right. And, and challenge their thinking as to the, the types of people um, that they will consider and, you know, look at the indicators, as you mentioned, I think those are great. So that's very uh, practical advice. So uh, thank you for sharing for that. Um, all right. So let's transition into your second revenue rule. Um, I know it's very different than the first. What is it? Yeah, so my second revenue rule is that conversations with customers is what makes the magic happen. Um, and so when I think about that, it's like, how many times has somebody sent you an email, they ask you to take a meeting for something that you have no interest in, right? Uh, in that message, you'll usually see something like, I think you'd like what we have to offer. Who is that about, right? That, that's about them. It's about their company, their interests, their desires. Uh, and so the, the rule is really, don't pitch things at your customers, right? You have to have conversations with them and that's where the magic happens. And, and, and so that conversation, right? I mean, I think there's um, a richness to it. I mean, there's like this free flowing, right? I, I think a lot of people feel comfort with sticking to the talk track, if you will, or the pitch deck or the, or, um, you know, you just pull the rope and you just repeat, 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 and you just say it over and over and over again. Uh, but as you as you say, you know, I've I've learned. I mean, there's there's a time and place for you know visuals and things of that nature, but it's got to be free flowing, right? Because that's I'm, I'm guessing you're saying like that's where the real nugget is, right? The the diamond in the rough in terms of their need, their interest, their pain. Um, is that what you're getting at? 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. And you mentioned it earlier about the decks, right? I don't think you need a deck for every conversation. And, and I would agree that in most meetings, you probably shouldn't have a deck. It should be an open dialogue, an open conversation without prepared statements and remarks, right? A conversation. Um, so I just kind of, when I think about this, it's why do customers take meetings with you or why do prospects take meetings with you? Is it because they, they're dying to hear what you want to sell them? Maybe, but it's usually because they have a problem and they think you might be able to help them solve it, right? Right. Uh, they don't, they don't, they're not, they're not interested in what you want to sell them. They're interested in solving their problem. Right. So, so unless you know exactly what that problem is, why would you have a deck and pitch it at them? Right. And if you do great, maybe that is appropriate, but if you don't have all the details you need to understand exactly what their problems are, it should be a conversation. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think the conversation takes skill, right? And I think this is this is um, something I've learned. It's just that in the, you know your ability to communicate and be comfortable in the the unknown of where a customer may be going, or maybe where you should take a conversation based on what they're you know they may be taking it one way. You're like, no, 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 no. You need to go over here, and here's why, right? And that's a very um, more difficult, more challenging, right? If you think about that pitch deck, it's very narrow, right? And there's safety in that um, that zone and you take off that training wheels and you just have a free flowing conversation. You know, you have to have mastery, I feel like of, of your domain, uh, you know, um, the, the customer, the customer's general persona, the things that they care about, right? You may not know their specific problem, but you have to know what it's like to be in their shoes and you have to, be comfortable, you know, navigating that. And I think there's a lot of um, complexity in, in just doing that well. And I, I'm just, you know, I'm kind of curious on your thought as you bring in people that are maybe less trained to do this sort of thing and get comfortable in those sorts of conversations. And that's when customers open up and, you know, they have to have the trust. But I'm just curious kind of how you, how do you get somebody there? Yeah. Um, well, I agree that you have to get comfortable with these things and they are typically very uncomfortable for many folks, especially early on in their career and, and early on in their journey as a CSM. Um, so, you know, for me, my approach is a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with these folks. We talk about these situations. We, we discuss the kind of the psychology of, of human beings and why we feel the way we do, right? And And how we can kind of, if we understand that, how we can combat that and be comfortable with those uncomfortable situations or those uncomfortable things we're trying to, to do in a conversation. Um, you know, personally, I also, one of my big, one thing I, I'm a huge advocate for in terms of training and development is role plays. So uh, with my team, I have a weekly team call every week and we will do these, I will create a scenario. I will notify the person ahead of time what that scenario is and we will do it live in front of the whole team. Um, and it's practice, right? So I kind of take it back to the sports analogy. You don't just play games, right? You spend hours and hours and hours practicing and preparing for what is likely a, a two hour, three hour event, right? But you spend way more time preparing for it. And so that's what I try to do with my team too, is, is let's practice, let's prepare. Uh, and we help each other, right? So everyone's on, everyone's watching it, everyone's soliciting feedback. And we really try to kind of, you know, all, all, one tide rises all boats type of mentality around, you know, always being involved yeah. and engaged. No, that's fantastic. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, you show up in games and they make it look easy, but, um, you know, 
uh, I had a speaker say once, like everybody, this was back before Tiger Woods, um, you know, scandals broke, but you know, everybody would want to be Tiger Woods, but very, very few people are willing to do what Tiger Woods has to do in order to be Tiger Woods on Sundays, right? Now, obviously he's gifted and, and all that kind of stuff, but there's just a tremendous amount of work into your craft that goes unnoticed. And I, I do think it's very easy for, for all of us to forget that we can improve and we should be striving to improve. And in your case, as the, the leader of the team, you, it's just not happenstance. It's not just like, oh, I screwed that one up. I learned, I won't do, I mean, there's obviously learned lessons with, with situations, but you don't wanna have your customers be the, the guinea pig in all situations, right? So there's opportunity yeah. that you're taking. Yeah, yeah, certainly. I mean, whether, you know, and, and, you know, to your point, right, I don't want the first conversation that a CSM is having to be with the customer when it's a topic that they're not solid on, right? So, so when we bring something new to market, we practice that and we practice that and we practice that until I feel, and more importantly, they feel confident being able to go to a customer, have a deep strategic conversation about, you know, what it is, why it's valuable, how it's going to help them solve a problem. And then ultimately, It'll, it, it sort of starts to sell itself when you have that type of conversation with somebody, right? And that's, that's the key. It's a conversation about why it's valuable, why it's going to help them solve a problem to the point where a customer says, do you, do you have something that can fix that for me? And you say, yes, I do, right? And then you have permission to talk about whatever that product or service or solution is. And now, now they're fully, the customer or prospect is fully invested in what you're trying to, uh, to do for them. Uh, you have their full attention. They're going to ask questions. You're, they're going to uncover whether or not this is going to be a viable solution for them. And you're going to have an accelerated deal process and likely a larger deal than you would have had if you had taken a different approach. Yeah. And I, what I find interesting, uh, I spend a lot of time with our customers. And I, I think, I mean, obviously you do as well with your customers, is how much coaching they need beyond the product, right? Like they're not buying technology, right? I mean, that's, they are, but that's not really what they need. They need your technology to do certain things that's going to help their business get from A to B, C, or D, right? And technology alone is is oftentimes not the silver bullet. And and so how do I implement the technology? How do I align my processes to the technology or get my salespeople to use the technology the way it was designed to do? It's not the technology's fault, sometimes that salespeople or, or users don't do what they're supposed to do, right? Like, and so like, there's just a ton of, like I was talking to a customer just uh, a little bit before our call here on this podcast is helping them redefine their sales process, right? Like that's, that's just part of the job, right? Of just getting our customers to adopt the technology because it's ancillary, it's critical. Um, and these are just wildly free-flowing conversations that, you know, I'm pulling from all sorts of different levels of experience and expertise and past customers and so on. Um, and but that's the conversation your customers want to have. And that's what you're training your 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 team to feel comfortable in, because I think that's the, the huge gap between tech support, tech expertise, you know, features and functions. And how do you implement it into a sales process or train your customers? Like, what does that look like for you guys? Like, what what are what do those conversations look like? Yeah, well, it's, it's a good question and a good topic. I mean, so, so at Verisent, we kind of focus um, in three areas. So we're, we're a sales performance management 
SaaS solution. And we focus on sales planning, we focus on revenue intelligence, and we focus on incentive compensation management, right? And those are software, but those are like things that help your company drive growth, drive revenue, right? Be smarter about the decisions you're making. And those are the conversations that we have to coach our team on having. So, so I, I actually often will uh, ask my team to, to read a series of articles on nothing to do with what we offer, right? But go, go talk about um, uh, finance and the end-to-end process of, of paying out commission and what, it, what, it, what kind of impact it has when they overpay or underpay a seller, right? When they go to close the books at the end of the, end of their year. And so you talked about strategic conversations earlier in this in this call. That's how you have a strategic conversation, right? Hey, we did all this this research and this homework, and and did you know that if you don't uh, pay the seller on time or accurately, and they come back to you in you know three years, and you don't have an audit log of of what they earned and can't justify what you paid them, you could get sued for millions of dollars, right? And oh, by the way, here's how you do that with our solution to protect yourself and protect your business. You're not doing it today, but I can help you get there. Right. That's that's the type of, you know, deep learning, understanding, yeah, no, right, that, that you need to be able to, to have a, that kind of kind of conversation with somebody to, to really change their way of thinking. That's the mastery. Right. I think that's that's applying the domain at a master level to your, you know, like you said, strategic business conversation. Now, that's a great example. I find that so hard to get to. Right. Like it just takes a long time. And I love how you take a systematic approach to you know, working your CSMs to that place uh, and practice. Um, no, that's fantastic. So um, that's fantastic, Chris. Thank you for sharing that. Um, we talked a little bit about how you got into your role at, at, in, in CS. Um, where do you see yourself going? Do you want to become chief customer officer? Um, like where, where do you see the future for yourself? Yeah, uh, well, ultimately, I would love to be a chief customer officer someday. Um, I, I, I feel that when you advocate for your customers across the business, it does two things. It ensures that you have customers for as long as the life cycle should be, and it ensures that you're growing tons of revenue for your business, right? And, and I feel like I can be the type of person, the vehicle to spread that information across the business, work with different stakeholders and different departments to ensure that we're doing things that deliver value to our customers while also protecting our business to make sure we have the appropriate margin, right? And that we're, and that we're right. growing revenue ultimately. So um, yeah, I mean, I would love to be a CCO someday. It's a, it's a growing role. I actually just watched a webinar on that uh, this, this, this morning. Um, and it was really interesting to see that the number of CCOs in the past 12 months, I think went from roughly uh, 1,500 to about 9,000 people with the title of CCO on LinkedIn. Wow. So uh, it's a grow, it's a growing. And I'd have to be remiss um, to not ask you just with the, the changing of the economy. Um, you know, I, I know the audio here. I'm not sure if it's me. Um, I cannot hear you. No, I can hear you now. Sorry about that. Can you hear me? No, can you hear me? Um, so just with the changing in the economy going, you know, the economy going down, you've seen a lot of the layoffs in tech just to kind of across the board. 
Um, I think that customer success is going to play a bigger role in a down economy than when you know, venture capital money was flush and everyone's trying to grow the top line. I'm just kind of curious your view of maybe the changing focus on CS in a down economy versus kind of the high flying economy we just left. Yeah, uh, well, that's it's a great topic too. And I was thinking about that as I was preparing for our conversation today. Um, in the climate right now, I think uh, from what I'm reading out in, in the markets, people are kind of tightening down the hatches, right? They're spending less money and they're concerned about, you know, making sure their customers are, are staying and that they're not bleeding out uh, churn, right? And so I think that there is a lot of investment in CS. And again, uh, the other uh, thing that was talked about on this webinar this morning was that the number of heads of CS, uh, you know, a few layers down from that CCO has like quadrupled in terms of the open positions for it. So um, yes, companies are definitely investing in it because when, when I think about it, it's it's way more expensive to acquire a new customer than to keep an existing one, right? And and when you when you keep that existing customer and you keep that existing customer happy, when you're adding value constant constantly, and you work for a company that has more than one product or service, right? You can grow revenue from that stream. Um, and and when you do all the things that we've talked about today, you can be really effective at at that. Um, and so I've seen you know really impressive numbers uh, across the board in terms of like quarter over quarter growth. But um, you know I, when I think about that about this. Um, you know, from a pure base perspective, um, you know, we want to strive for 108, 110, 115% uh, net ACV retained from our existing customers, right? Um, and if we're hitting those kind of numbers, you're going to protect your business, you're going to grow your business, and you're going to survive the current, I think, economic climate that we're in. Yeah, now that's great perspective. Well, where can we follow you online, Chris? Yeah, so um, I, uh, my, the main place you can follow me online is on LinkedIn. Uh, so if you're looking for me there, it's linkedin.com forward slash Chris Longo Barisant. Um, and uh, I post regularly. I'll, I'll share some of my thoughts and ideas there. Uh, I would love to connect with anybody on the platform. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on to the Revenue Hustle today. This has been a very enlightening and practical conversation. Uh, there's a lot for CS leaders and the growth leaders out there to take tidbits away um, and implement this into their CS function. So let's do it again soon. Thanks again. Thank you very much, Tom. It was my pleasure. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to the Revenue Hustle. This episode has been brought to you by Nine Lenses close more deals with interactive assessments. Check them out at ninelenses.com. See you next time.